Ladies and gentlemen, this is Gail Morgan welcoming you to the Libertarian Counterpoint's Knuckleheads of Liberty podcast. You've heard their point, now listen to the counterpoint. Welcome to the Knuckleheads of Liberty podcast. We are coming to you on October 6, 2021. Uh, Halloween's on the horizon and things are pretty scary with this Biden administration. <laughs> so... <laughs> We've got a little treat for you this time. We're going to break off of our normal topics, and we have a special guest to talk with this time, Robert Griffiths, who has run for governor in California on the Libertarian and, I believe, Democrat tickets. But before we get to that, let me introduce you to the panel. So in our upper left-hand corner, we have Leon, the word Brathwaite, last word in Liberty. He is a retired engineer in the state of California. We have Robert Griffith, our guest today. And my name is Jason McPhee, and I'll be your host. Um, so uh, we're talking again with Robert Griffiths. Um, he had run in 2018, uh, governor of California, um, and uh, I believe he ran as a libertarian. Is that uh, correct, uh, Robert? And then you uh, switched parties uh, at some point, or, or uh, I think uh, to run as a Democrat? Or? I was a registered libertarian for a few decades, and I ran for president as a libertarian in 2016. Oh, and then okay. it- 18, I ran for governor, and I did at the very last possible day uh, change change to a Democrat and tried running as a Democrat for governor. So you also ran too in the recall election as well uh, as a as a libertarian in that or as a uh... well as as a Democrat. I'm still a registered Democrat, um, but I dropped out of that race on about July 4th, um, so I didn't you know I wasn't on the ballot or anything like that, but I I was running for a time before I dropped out. Okay, and, and Leon, did you have a question there before? Yeah, if, if I could ask, so why, why did you decide to switch registrations to the Democrats? That's a really good question, and it's always the first question that, that libertarians <laughs> ask me. <laughs> <laughs> like, are you crazy? <laughs> uh, so it's, it's nothing ideological at all, um, and it wasn't even my idea. Um, I actually got the idea from an economics student at San Jose State uh, who was very familiar with Democrats. And when he heard what I was running on, he said, you should run as a Democrat. Um, and I, I think one of the and I can get into to the reasons that he told me. But, um, you know, one reality is that libertarians do not get elected for statewide offices or, or any sort of party dependent offices. That's just kind of an, an unfortunate reality. Um, just the power of politics, the major parties win all of those offices. And in California in particular, the Democrats have a super majority. Um, they, they, they've had the governorship since Schwarzenegger and um, they, they have super majorities in the Senate and the assembly. So, um, for me, I'm, I wasn't just looking at that election. I was looking at the long term. And it was, it was kind of a, if you can't beat them, join them. Um, it's also a bit of a Trojan horse because I am not only a libertarian, I would characterize myself as an anarchist. I don't believe in government at all, um, which is why I want to be in charge of it. Um, so <laughs> so when, I, when I ran... And I, I was on Libertarian Counterpoint about three and a half years ago with Richard Fields. And um, so when I ran, I didn't use a lot of libertarian jargon. Um, I just kind of spoke plainly with 
common sense and I did it as a Democrat, you know? And, and so for me, that was kind of an experiment and, and I'm still a registered Democrat and, you know, I was starting to run in the recall and I may run uh, for governor uh, leading into uh, the June primary next year, but for now I'm not. Um, so, but, but that's, that's sort of the rationale. You know, every time, every time we hear the word anarchist, you know, we think about something like January 6th on Capitol Hill, you know, that these are the kind of people who are quote unquote anarchists. Or, or Antifa. <laughs> or Antifa, yeah. Or, oh, yeah, good point. Yeah, or Antifa. But I'm sure that's not what you're talking about. Could you just expand on that just a little bit? Sure. Um, and there's a there's a joke in the Libertarian Party about what's the difference between a minarchist, somebody who wants less government, and an anarchist who wants no government. And the answer to that joke is, you know, what's the difference between a minarchist and an anarchist? is about six months <laughs> and that's that's just kind of a joke because for those of us who become you know ideological anarchists it's it's really just a matter of time and it took me a lot longer than six months um but basically if you look at the founding documents of the libertarian party it's that we're against the tyranny of the state um so i would say anarchists just take that all the way um and you know the state is an institution that has a monopoly on force and on violence. And as libertarians, we we don't believe in aggression. Um, so if you take that idea all the way, um, one becomes an anarchist. And and I sometimes joke with people that I'm a law and order anarchist. So I believe in rules. I believe in the law. I believe in courts. I even believe in police. Um, but I don't believe that those institutions should be in the hands of the state. And so um, anarchist just means no rulers and consequently no slaves. And so um, it doesn't mean that we're in favor of chaos or lawlessness. Um, libertarian anarchists, um, and I could name a few sort of public ones like Jeffrey Tucker considers himself an anarchist. Larkin Rose is an outspoken anarchist. Um, Adam Kokesh, who spoke on 9-11, and that's Jason, where you and I ran into each other yeah, yeah. a few weeks ago. So, And none, none of those libertarian anarchists are trying to destroy it or anything or, or want chaos or mayhem. Uh, we just believe that the state is actually basically a criminal organization and that, that there's no hopes of reforming it. And so, um, but, but, you know, the state dominates modern life on this planet so it's really i don't think unless you're someone like adam kokesh and you just want to run he ran for president saying he would write an executive order liquidating the federal government and i thought that was a cute idea and i agree with it but i i didn't even think that would go over in the libertarian party <laughs> let alone the general public so so i think the, the average person and even some libertarians sort of look kind of suspiciously at the word anarchist and anarchy. But, um, you know, for me, it's kind of the logical conclusion of libertarianism. So the, the, there is like a, a branch of libertarianism, I, I consider myself part of that, who believe in a, a very limited government hmm. where the rules are defined and, and the government is really restricted in its power and scope in people's lives. So even even that form 
of government you you see as problematic yeah i i, I think it's um you, you know i can talk about it from an ideological standpoint um you know i think government is just kind of a pandora's box and you know the founders of this country had the articles of confederation and some would say there was a bit of a coup that led to the constitutional convention and the constitution and the constitution was a very good attempt at trying to restrain government um and i think it was lysander spooner who said that um the constitution has either enabled the government that we've had or it's been powerless to prevent it and he said that back in the in the 1800s and and i would just sort of echo that same argument so you know when i get in discussions with libertarian minarchists who say why don't we just have a much smaller government i don't really argue with them i i you know because we're so close to being in agreement why why argue over because because government is just so out of control now i i yes. think some of the some of the differences between anarchists and minarchists are sort of not fruitful and and productive because they're really quite close and 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 both kinds of people want to move in the same direction which is you know reducing the role and power of the state of the state yes yes i i, I agree I, i see a point yes it, it was kind of interesting that you used the uh, analogy of a pandora's box one of the other uh, analogies i've heard as the uh, the ring of power from the tolkien books as well <laughs> you know the idea that it doesn't matter who you get in control it's going to corrupt uh, absolutely as you get that power in there and, yes and, and i guess uh, you know sounds like uh, your analogy would be that you just want to get a hold of the rings you can throw it back into the fires <laughs> have it have it uh, uh melted away but but it, practically how would you do that i mean if you were elected uh what what would be your pathway uh you know if, if, if you decide to run for governor again um and you happen to be elected how, how would that work it's how, how would that manifest well i i think it's the kind of i i like the term the founders use that you need to have the consent of the governed So I don't think, you know, running for office, I never used the word anarchy. I can discuss it with you guys because you guys are libertarians and it's probably not as taboo. Um, so it, I, I think it should be done somewhat slowly and surely because that's how any lasting change works. And I, I think there was a, a British prime minister who said that too, that sudden revolutions rarely end well they tend to get violent and, and things tend to go back to the way they were or worse um so um i i think you know when i when i ran for president like just about any other libertarian candidate i talked about ending the wars abroad i talked about ending the war on drugs i talked about reducing spending when i ran for governor i talked about restructuring california's substantial debt Uh, a lot of which is sort of off the books and unofficial. Um, but but there are all kinds of ways to kind of rein in government. And I, th I think one politician who did a pretty good job speaking about it was a, a very libertarian-influenced president by the name of Ronald Reagan, who often said, you know, that government wasn't the solution to our problems, that it was the problem. And so, um, and although he didn't really do much to reduce <laughs> the size of government. He didn't really, you know, or he wasn't able to. Um, I, I think I think there are certain policies that you can run on and there are things that you can do. And I think it's, it's 
you know, over time, I think a wise executive can A, get himself or herself elected, which is the hardest part. And then B, I think there are policies that you can bring about that that begin to reduce the size of the state. And, and sometimes dramatically, but sometimes more slowly and subtly. Another question I had for you, too, is that in, in your uh, thoughts of, of running as yes, essentially being a libertarian, but running as a Democrat, sounds an awful lot like what Ron Paul did when he first ran as a libertarian, didn't really get much traction, and then decided to run as a Republican. And, you know, he he actually made it quite a long ways in his run for presidency. But, you know, that's also how he held office as a, a representative, too, for so many years. Um, how, how big of an impact or influence was Ron Paul on you? Um, well, Ron Paul is, you know, he's the original gangster of libertarianism to a lot of people. A lot of young people were really inspired by him. Um, I was too. Um, but in, in 2011, I actually was more drawn to uh, Gary Johnson, uh, who was running as a Republican for president. And I got to know Gary and I just liked him. I just thought he was more charismatic. He had more executive leadership. Ron Paul, to me, kind of came across as a crank in some ways. Um, and, and then, you know, I, I think a lot of people, and I love Ron Paul. I've never met him. Um, I think he's terrific. But in, in 11 and 12, Gary Johnson was my guy. And by 15 and 16, I was done with Gary Johnson for the most part in a lot of ways because he really... Uh, slipped a lot but but I was very encouraged by you know Ron Paul's whole career as a congressman as a doctor running for president as a libertarian and then running for president as effectively as he did as a Republican because he would say taxation is theft and he would talk about blowback in the Middle East he was very bold in his messaging and his courage was I mean the man's in his 80s and he's still alive and kicking and um, I, I really, I, I really like what a true believer he is, and he doesn't, he doesn't really water things down that much. So, you know, I'm definitely, as a whole, I'm a lot more inspired by Ron Paul and his legacy than than just you know those couple of years where I just kind of, kind of got behind and did a few things for Gary Johnson's campaign in eleven and twelve. You know, you know, I mean. We always talk about reducing the size and scope of government in the lives, in our lives and the lives of our fellow citizens. But you know, the history is not very good on this particular point. That almost nowhere in history, I, the size and scope of government was reduced peacefully. I, I, I know of no case, maybe, maybe there is, maybe I, I, I've missed something. Do you know of any case where it was done peacefully? I would say, you know, the American experiment was pretty good. Uh, it wasn't peaceful with the Revolutionary War and the War of 1812, but we we were free of British control. Um, and, and our government really didn't... I mean, the Civil War was horrendous, but in a lot of ways, life in this country was pretty good until about the early 1900s where we had the income tax and the Federal Reserve and World War One kind of hitting us all at the same time. Also, in the history of humanity, we didn't have government until about 8,000 years ago. And it was very simple. Um, so I, I think 
no government or less government is really at this point it's really an idea and unless more people are convinced of it it's not going to happen so i i think libertarians ideologically or or, or in political party or otherwise you know we're we're the keepers of the flame of liberty and as and as other people let government grow bigger and bigger you know it's just even in a so-called democratic republic like the united states we're looking down the barrel the entire planet is looking down the barrel of a lot of tyranny right now and to me that's the ultimate expression of government that's what government is for what's happened in the last 18 months that is the end game of government so um unless other people come to the same conclusion as libertarians do or even you know anarchists like myself the change isn't going to happen but i'm still going to talk about it and you guys talk about it on the regular on the show i imagine so i think one day the time for that idea of at the very least a lot less government than than just this growing juggernaut that's just kind of taking all the freedom away today you know, maybe maybe there's maybe there's you know some people are seeing the light about government today i have a lot of friends who are used to be bootlicking government types and democrats and Repu- and now they're all talking about freedom and yes. and uh, freedom of what goes into their bodies and you know, whether they can go to school or work or travel or leave their own homes um so so in some ways uh, it's it's actually kind of a good time and some people are waking up around this idea of more liberty and and even less government you, you know you know you raise you raise a very good point yeah because many of us many i mean i think many many people nowadays is, um are seeing what is happening in a country like australia which was one of the freest countries on planet earth i mean if you look at any of the indexes well and, and, and leon i was going to say too this is the pandora's box almost too this whole COVID thing but yeah go go on australia yes. yeah and you're right about the pandora's box because Australia seemed to now have us almost becoming a, 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 a absolute totalitarian state because of this COVID thing. So you're you're right. I hope I hope more eyes are being opened that even in when we have these so-called benevolent government, we are not safe from their tyranny. So I, I really hope you're correct on this. Yeah, and they gave their guns away. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's right. They give their guns away exactly. Sometimes I forget to defend themselves now that we're the tyranny of the state. Exactly. Sometimes I forget that we're really the only country that has a Second Amendment and a First Amendment. So free speech and guns. Yeah, you give that away, and then you get Australia. You get what is you know, and it it sounded like kind of maybe an empty warning to some people, but I think we can all see what's going on in Australia and the UK and Canada. Yeah. And I don't think it's gotten as bad here because we have guns. That's what the guns are for. They're not for home defense and hunting. They're from they're a defense against they're a hedge against the tyranny of government. That's what they were in 1776 and 1793. And that's what it is today. And that argument, the Second Amendment argument, I think, is a little bit more plain to see now. And and the two way people, all they have to do right now is point to Australia and see see what happens when you give your guns away. one thing i gotta say though is that i I, i'm just shocked the fact that we do have the second uh the the second amendment and the fact that we've allowed so much to slip during this 
even even with that, you know, I, it just yeah. is shocking. But but there is a question I wanted to ask you too, and I like to ask all of our guests about this. And it's that, you know, libertarian ideas. They're something that essentially it it it's not the default. I mean, we're essentially most people are. I guess go through the, uh, the the state brainwashing of public education, and we all get the idea that essentially we're we're supposed to vote for state solutions to almost every problem that we see. And I, I know for me the journey was uh, you know sort of discovering Milton Friedman via John Stossel and um, I, I, Leon. I, I'm sure you have a story too. I can't remember. I do. <laughs> But, but Robert, what's what's your story? I mean, uh, how did you come on to these ideas too? Sorry, sorry, Leon, I just brain faded. <laughs> no, that's good. I, 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 just looking at the time, it's good that we cover some of the scheduled questions. Um, you know, I was born into a family of Republicans, and but I went to a college Republicans meeting in college that told me I was not a Republican, and then I just didn't know what else there was and then when i went to graduate school at stanford which is what brought me to california i took a class in voluntarism which is basically libertarian anarchism from uh professor ron howard this was in the engineering school i'm also an engineer leon and um you know i read some ayn rand and then uh eventually i registered as a libertarian in my later 20s just kind of let go of the libertarian voting, or excuse me, the Republican voting and identity. And then um, I started following just through the internet, uh, the Future of Freedom Foundation, which is Jacob Hornberger's. And I read Sheldon Richman, who's a very good libertarian writer. And then I came across the Foundation of Economic Education, which influenced Ronald Reagan many years ago to stop being a Democrat and to eventually be more of a, a Republican. Uh, a libertarian, really. And then um, I discovered the Mises Institute and I read Mises, I read Hayek, I read Rothbard, I read Menger. So the Austrian School of Economics was a pretty big influence on me. And then um, and then I think um, uh, catching wind of uh, Ron Paul and Gary Johnson running for president in 2011 and 12, and even Ron Paul's campaign in eight caught my attention. And so, um, and then the idea occurred to me in January of 16, because I couldn't support Gary Johnson at that point. I had become much more of a libertarian and, an, and a principled, you know, non-aggression principle, anarchist libertarian. And, you know, I liked McAfee and Austin Peterson, but I knew I couldn't support anybody. And then that's when I first got the idea of running myself. And so um, that's, I hope I answered your question, Jason, where it kind of went from being a Republican to reading Ayn Rand, learning some libertarian stuff in college, and then just kind of the economics and then getting politically involved with Gary Johnson and then, then eventually just doing it myself. So if you, if you decide to run again, you're going to do so as a Democrat or as a libertarian? That's a good question. And I've honestly been thinking about that because since Jason and I ran into each other at the Bring the Troops rally, in Sacramento on 9-11 a few, just a few weeks ago, um, you know, I've been going to a lot of liberty-themed events, Libertarian Party, uh, Mises, Libertarian Party Mises Caucus events. So I know I have 
an army <laughs> in the of people I know personally in the Libertarian Party and in the Mises Caucus, whereas, you know, I, I don't really have any institutional ties to the Democratic Party. So if I wanted volunteers, um, I know that running as a Libertarian would allow me to attract those volunteers much more easily. It's a bit of a harder sell, but I, I have spoken to people like Angela McArdle um, down in Los Angeles, and she's running for national chair in Reno next year. She's very big in the Mises Caucus. And I, I know Michael Heiss has talked about that the Mises Caucus is, is more of an idea than an official party of the LP. So I, I might be able to get some libertarians to support me if I ran straight out as a Democrat, again, with this sort of Trojan horse strategy of, of just sort of um, trying to get libertarian ideas out more as just a common sense and more with a D next to my name than an L. So I really don't know how I would do it, but I I think I think both are possibilities, and I know I could get a lot more libertarian support uh, running as a libertarian. But when I ran in eighteen as a Democrat, um, I I won the gubernatorial debate at the annual LPC convention in seventeen, and I had that party's endorsement kind of. I don't want to say wrapped up, but close to it. But my friend Nick Wildstar got an endorsement, as did Zoltan Istvan. And I got maybe 11,000 votes in the primary, and Nick got maybe 13 or 14,000, and Zoltan about 17,000. So running as a libertarian did not lose me all my support. I got less than those two gentlemen, but it's, it's sort of... But when you're in the tens of thousands, you're not... A competitor and you can experiment so i really don't know how i would do it but i would prefer to try sticking with this democrat strategy but you know if i do it if i go back if i switch back to the lp you know i could do that i've also thought about running for president again maybe in the lp in 24 so it's kind of an open question i i've having been a republican a libertarian and now a registered democrat i no longer give a about political parties because I don't identify with any of them. The LP's got its problems, and and I think you know political parties are kind of really an unnecessary evil, or maybe they're a necessary evil. And so, you know, I'll I'll brand myself as one or the other. If but all I really care about is liberty, and I care about people, and whatever gets me elected, in terms of political party branding, I'll do. Um, but I'm more concerned about principles and policies than I am political party. Well, Robert, well, you know, that's uh, you actually got into some of the questions about the nuts and bolts I was curious about. But one last question, because we're just about out of time. Uh, but mm -hmm. what's, what's the biggest lesson you learned running, uh, both either for the presidency or for uh, the governor of California? Yeah, just something to leave our listeners with. Um, well, you know, I particularly when I ran for governor, I just learned a lot about you know, paperwork and gathering signatures and what it takes to get on the ballot. Um, I also learned um, that the calculus of running as a candidate versus just being a voter, are, there's a radical transformation um, between getting yourself elected and just kind of looking at policies and issues and other candidates as a voter. Um, and I think even though running for office is ultimately altruistic, you're doing it hopefully with the possibility of getting elected and, and bringing some, some good into the world. Um, but really your campaign has to be your own. 
and you got to do it your way. You can't just please the crowd or the political party. You don't want to sacrifice your principles or anything, but you sure. also kind of sure. have to do whatever it takes to get elected. And that game well, is a and, totally and Robert, different game. Uh, <laughs> one thing we've got to do is we're over time, so we've got to mm -hmm. cut out. But thanks so much, though, for joining us today. And uh, uh, we, we loved having you. And uh, thanks so much to our listeners, too. And until next time, stay free. Thank you for watching the Knuckleheads of Liberty. Listen each week in Sacramento on Comcast Channel 17 for Knuckleheads of Liberty on Monday at 5.30 p.m. and the Libertarian Counterpoint Show on Thursday at 8 p.m.